Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I am one of your hosts, Chris Waterman from Jacksonville, Florida, joined today by May Finch, also from Jacksonville. Welcome, May. Hey, folks. And certainly, last but not least, we have Will Rotondi from Greenville, South Carolina. How's it going, Will? Good afternoon. Going well. How about yourself? Oh, it's going great. Um, you know, nice little Sunday afternoon. The weather's great here in Jacksonville. We are recording this on March 20th, uh, so it feels like a proper spring day outside Went for a little bike ride. You know, just a really, really perfect Sunday. Thanks for asking. Uh, this is going to be take two. Uh, I've decided to call them takes because I'm in the middle of editing our first couple of episodes. And uh, there's a uh, visual element that I won't spoil um, that kind of jogged some creativity last minute. So from now on, they're not episodes, they are takes. So this is take two. And on today's episode, we will be discussing Troll 2, a film that we have thoughts on. <laughs> and, and keep in mind, it is Troll 2, not Trolls 2. Just important important distinction distinction. <laughs> before, we, before we destroy any childhood dreams. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but we wanted to kick off with a, uh, a little tiny, tiny opener uh, for you all today. So I wanted to do a This Week in Film History. And without further ado, This Week in Film History in 1931, the first theater built for rear movie projection was built in New York City. I'm sure there was other theaters that had used rear projection prior to this, but this was the first theater built uh, with rear projection in mind. I imagine that would probably uh, influence how your, your seats would have been arranged and uh, probably the size of the theater as well. So uh, exciting stuff, a nice milestone in film history. Not surprised at all that it was in New York City. Um, that city seems to, you know, as much as uh, we, we associate Los Angeles with, uh, with uh, making movies, uh, New York City has been an important place uh, for screening them. So, I have what may be a dumb question, but what did they do before they had a rear projector? So I looked this up. There were a few different methods of uh, projection, including um, using like a chamber with cylinders in it and sometimes even like crude like jars with liquid and lamps to kind of like uh you know get projection going so it's a bit of a complicated history i would so, love uh, to witchcraft do... it was witchcraft witchcraft indeed yes absolutely <laughs> i'm pretty um, sure that started a fire in like france somewhere when they did it with that with like um the liquid you were talking about but i could be wrong that sounds vaguely familiar yes I, a lot of volatile compounds um you know in uh, movie history in particular like uh, film itself uh, up until very recently was, uh, you know, when, when it was uh, converted to digital, um, very volatile. There was a, a big fire. I don't know if you guys recall uh, and on the Universal Studios backlot um, mm -hmm. where uh, Hill Valley burned down, unfortunately, like, you know, where they had shot Back to the Future. All that was preserved, but it was the archives. Uh, there was a fire that started there and it just goes up like crazy. So, um, yeah, a little bit of film history for, for you all. So uh, we're going to kick off our uh, episode with a side quest. So uh, for those of you that might be new to the podcast, uh, joining us on take two, uh, we're going to draw a card that's going to generate a spontaneous uh, conversation. So let's give them a little shakeroo here, a little shuffle, and let's see what we get. 
Oops, I picked up the whole deck. <laughs> All, All of <right>. them. <laughs> Our second uh, topic for conversation is I'd like to thank, which I believe, and I'm going to double check my notes here, is where we talk about a film that was influential in our journey as uh, film lovers. But let me just double check that. So yes, I'd like to thank is a topic where we will talk about a film that was influential in our life and uh, talk about why. Do either of you have a, uh, a film that springs to mind? I certainly do, if neither of you do. Take it All away, right. Chris. All right. Go for it, man. You got it locked. So... The movie that I would like to talk about today is a film that I just recently saw with May in theaters, uh, the original Godfather. Uh, it's special to me for a lot of different reasons and influential for a lot of different reasons. But uh, let me walk you back uh, to the, my history with this film. So I remember hearing my, um, my mom and my stepfather talking about it uh, on and off because it was on television a lot back then. Uh, as like this movie that was like legendary and I remember even like popping into the living room when they were watching it and it looked like something that was pretty boring um, you know as like a, a nine or ten year old uh, and then uh, I was visiting my cousins uh, up in, in New York uh, probably about 11 years old or so and it was on television and I somehow like from like the advertisements like showing that it was coming up like saw oh, I was like oh this is a gangster movie well that's cool and then uh, I got about 30 minutes into the film, like there's this long wedding scene that opens it if you've never seen it. And I just fell promptly asleep. And I was like, well, I guess that's the end of that, right? <laughs> like this, this is boring as shit. Uh, nice try. And then maybe about two years later, um, my stepdad brought it up again. And I was like, why do you like this movie was boring? Like, why does everybody like this movie so much it's it just looks like it's dull uh it's supposed to be a gangster movie right he's like oh yeah it has so many classic scenes and he like rattled off a couple lines that were vaguely familiar uh, even at 13 uh and um he was like i'll tell you what let's go rent it from the the video store and like i sat down like full of energy not sleepy and like proceeded to, to watch like what became like uh, it's flip-flops between vertigo but like is always in my top two like you know favorite films like ever list completely blown away by it. it just was swept up in the cinematography and the music in particular like even as like a you know a very um young person like the, those things just uh blew me away and um i watched it like two more times before we returned it to the uh the movie store and my stepdad being the awesome guy that he is uh, went to like Walmart and bought me like the little VHS, like the little two VHS tape, like uh, so I could just like, you know, have it. And then of course, like with allowance money and like chore money, I went and bought like the second one and uh, fell just as deeply in love with that. Uh, the reason this movie is so influential though, to me is like, I think uh, there, like it taught me at various points in like my, my film journey, so many different things about movies and, and film production uh, so like, for example, uh, flash forward to like being in college and learning about cinematography. And we had a whole entire chapter in my intro to film class about Gordon Willis and like the lighting of this movie. He was called the, the Prince of Darkness because of the way he lit the shots. And, you know, there's lots and lots of dark space and like very, very uh, stark lighting on the actors and, and certain, you know, bits of the, uh, the set and things like that. So 
um, this has been like a lifelong education through just this one movie. Um, and I always see something new, always learn something new every time I watch it, like without a doubt. So that's my pick. Uh, May, I know uh, this was your first time. You, what, what, it you was. were so spoiled seeing this in 4K <laughs> in, in a theater. Uh, what did you make of it, like in general? Um, yeah, so I always felt kind of ashamed that I hadn't seen it. Um, that's like, I don't know, part of the reason I love this podcast is because I think a lot of the idea is that we're not, we're not snobs about film. We just want to enjoy movies and talk about them with people. And I was always scared to admit that I'd never seen The Godfather. Um, and then I did finally go see it. And it, I, I am not a huge fan of like mafia movies, but I loved it just for, well, a lot of the things that you said, Chris, but the cinematography and score was incredible. Um, the, the acting was fantastic. Like Michael was such an interesting character to focus on through that. Cause I, I had expected it to be on like the, the original Godfather for him to be the focus of the film, but he's like out, <laughs> taken out most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it was just really interesting to follow Michael and, and see that. And um, I shared this with Chris at the time, but I wish they'd utilized like the women in the film more just in part because I know those are actually quite talented actresses and like could have could have done a bit more. Um, but it was still really cool. And um, it's also good to know where like the dead horse head in the bed thing came from. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think like there, uh, it's a valid argument as far, you know, as uh, the participation of women in the film. One of, one of my favorite production stories is that like uh, Francis Ford Coppola um, didn't want to put Talia Shire in the film because that's his uh, sister. Like, like oh. they're, yeah, he, he was afraid of like perceptions of nepotism. And um, she insisted on being allowed to audition, like unbiased, like, fine, don't be in the room, like, but I want like this part and got the part on, you know, merit alone and uh, proved everybody, you know, um, wrong as far as like, you know, I, I think nepotism was the the furthest thing from, I mean, she's perfect as Connie uh, Corleone. Oh, definitely. And where that character goes to um, is is fantastic too in future installments too. So I'm very glad that they, that we got um, her as Connie. I can't imagine anybody else playing that role. And of course, Diane Keaton, you know, she's wonderful. Um, and just about everything she's in, like she's one of those um, just like uh, powerhouse uh, actors from from that era. You know, a lot of a lot of great uh, performances. Will, what's what's your um, what's your experience with The Godfather? I'd be curious. Funny, I um I don't think I watched Godfather until college. And for me, that was about probably 15 years ago when I saw it the, for the first time. And it was one of those things where people used to tell me, yeah, like, yeah, this is a great film. And I think it was understandably so kind of like what May had mentioned too, with the sort of the lack of the, the strong female characters in it. It was always sort of promoted as like a guy's flick to go see um, throughout uh, when I was growing up, at least that seemed to be like the stereotype. And so it was one of those films where I guess I sort of always figured one day I would watch it, but my folks were never really big into Godfather, which maybe or maybe not is weird because like my dad's full Italian. So I don't know if that has any influence on it or not, but it was one of those things where I thought, you know, it was kind of strange, I guess, looking back that I, I never actually watched it until I was out of the, out of my folks place. But um it was one of those things where I enjoyed it too. Like I, I definitely appreciate it for the cinematography. Um, 
And it was fun to actually go through and watch like the entire trilogy in college. It was one of those things where we had a fantastic library. And so it's really nice to always have that available. Even if uh, I guess that was around the time streaming was just starting up or also perhaps illegally sharing of files. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I never, ever well, yeah, I to, about, to, yeah. to our uh, intranet like file sharing hub and no, of course not. They didn't have that there. I don't know what you're talking about. I won't name names or anything. No. Iracy who? Yeah. But yeah, so that was, but it was one of those, you know, like the, just the fact for the actors that are in there, you know, it's like if you wanted to see, you know, like classic Pacino or Brando um, and then even too for like the sequels, like you're talking about, Chris, where it was like seeing where the storyline went and seeing how the characters evolved. Um, it's definitely a very powerful film. And for all the references that I had always seen that you could kind of place in other films that you were like, okay, this is this is referencing Godfather. I kind of know what they're talking about very loosely. And to actually see that in the film and, and connect the dots and, and you know actually see the authentic scene was really nice. Um, the horse head, which I didn't realize was real, which that was a nice fact that you dropped on me and was also unfortunate but I mean yeah. it was already dead before which is good you know no <laughs> no animals were intentionally harmed in the making of the film um and it, it kind of thinking about all the mafia movies that have come since then I mean this was literally like the godfather of all of those right I mean there were gangster films I'm sure before that but this is sort of like when people talk about you know mafia that's like the first thing they think of is the godfather and mm -hmm. I'd actually be really interested to know if, um, and you know, you, Chris, you might be able to fill me in here on this. I'd like to know like how realistic, like, was this, was this close to like a real family that this was modeled on? Was, or, or was this just like somebody took some ideas and maybe talked to some guys that were shady and thought, you know, this would be a really good book. I'm just going to like, cause it's Mario Puzo, right? Like he, Mario Puzo. Mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm curious. It, it, I may have known this at some point and it's fallen out the back of my brain, but I would like to know like how realistic it lines up with what would really would have happened. Yeah. So really I probably the only people that could uh, honestly answer that are people that like are involved in that lifestyle, but by all counts, like they had a nice little introductory to like the, uh, the anniversary of the book, um, which I reread like a year or two ago. Um, nice. And by all accounts, like it is fairly like realistic in terms of like organization. So like the capos and like kind of like the um, the organization of like the family itself. Uh, obviously, Sinatra took tremendous issue because he had, you know, lots of sort of rumors around him and his career. So the Johnny Fontaine character is supposed to be fairly, you know, realistic uh, sort of a not you know one-to-one -one analogy to uh to sinatra but like pretty close um and then the the uh, vernacular is the thing that people said it was like the the probably the most like so it's the way they talk right yeah. like and and sort of carry on and interact like that supposedly is the the part that rang most uh true i guess to people watching it um so, so like uh, going to the mattresses or stuff like that i'm not sure what expressions like exactly you know but um but yeah <laughs> but i know that puzo coached uh uh coppola a lot like the famous example is like no 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 like um the, the uh, gangsters don't saute garlic they fry it you fry up your garlic and your onions you don't saute <laughs> like like when he was giving notes on like the, the script so there's that scene where you know um clemenza is teaching mike want to make uh tomato sauce like great but um 
I think like this is probably the first movie too that like it taught me again as a young person that like even though it's a heavy genre film like it is it is about so much more than like what sort of the backdrop is like you know the the mafia backdrop is just a backdrop in a lot of ways I mean yes there's tons of violence and things like that but like there's a lot of uh things going on uh in this movie and it has a lot of things to say outside of just like um the mafia aspects but uh, to your point, um, yeah, there were gangster movies before, but they were made primarily while uh, the Hollywood Code, you know, that we talked about last uh, episode was, or sorry, on uh, Take Zero, rather, um, like, you know, basically stipulated that the bad guy always had to get it in the end, right? Like, you could have a gangster film where the gangster was front and center, but, like, he had to, like, die or end up in prison. Like, it, they, there had to be some sort of, like, moral comeuppance. And this was a, a film that broke that mold, you know, entirely where it's like some people do, but some don't, you know? Um, so yeah, cool. I'm always down to talk. This probably will not be the last time this movie comes up. So <laughs> sorry to, to both of you and to our, our uh, dear audience members. We could just um, have a Godfather recurring segment. Yeah. Godfather of the week. <laughs> so I like name drop some piece of trivia in every episode to see if anyone catches it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, my 4K uh, uh, versions come in this week, so uh, we will have to do a part two screening with uh, with Nathan, who went to see it with us yes. uh, sometime very soon. Um, I Again, I acknowledge one is probably my favorite and probably most people's favorites, but like I think two is the better film, right? And there's like kind of an important distinction there where I think like, to me, like two is the like superior for a lot of different reasons that i can't say that would be tremendous spoilers but the story in particular but um but yeah cool all right well let <laughs> us transition <laughs> uh so as a little recap uh we drew our second card last week and it was a unicorn or dead horse uh a topic where we will decide if troll 2 uh either uh enhanced or degraded the cinematic world of troll one and the legacy of troll one and this is such an interesting i can't wait to get into all this because this is uh interesting for so many uh reasons but i'm gonna uh hand it over once again to may who uh nominated this film and bless you for doing it now having seen it thank you so much uh take it away i want to give us uh give us a little bit of um context and uh lead us through the the discussion since it's your your pick yeah, uh, so Troll 2 came out in 1990, uh, four years after Troll 1, the original. Um, it is important to note right off the bat that uh, the direction, stars, pr production company, like all of that for Troll 2 is different from Troll 1. And there is in fact no common thread between the two. There actually aren't any trolls in Troll 2 either. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll get into why that happened in a moment, but just some basics about the film. It was directed by Claudio Fragrasso, who used the pseudonym Drake Floyd. And this is based on Wikipedia, but apparently he came up with that because he liked dragons and Pink Floyd. Cool. Allegedly. Uh, I mean, too cool. Who doesn't? So. Yeah. Um, uh, it stars Michael Stevenson, George Hardy, Connie McFarland, and Jason Wright. And if you don't really know any of those names, uh, you shouldn't because um, <laughs> they are all pretty much people that were in the area, which this is filmed in Utah, 
who responded to the open casting call thought they were going in to audition for extras and then got cast as the stars because there there were no prominent stars at all. Um, if to answer the question of what Troll Two is about, um, I. I <laughs> I need to give you the context of the writers. So uh, the director also wrote the story with his wife, Rosella Drudy, and she resented the fact that a lot of her friends were going vegetarian. She also was tasked um, with creating this film as a horror film with no blood. So she took those two elements and decided that it would be a horror film where goblins, not trolls, but goblins, uh, attack people and eat them, but to avoid there being any blood, and also because the evil goblins are vegetarians, they have to turn the people into plants first. And that is the basic premise of Trolls 2. To give you a little bit more background info, uh, Fergrasso and Judy have written some other hits, <laughs> including Violence in a Woman's Prison, Hell of the Living Dead, and Fergrasso made a film titled Monster Dog featuring Alice Cooper. <laughs> Was Alice Cooper actually in it? Because apparently he just likes the title shit that like has no relevance to it. I've not seen it, but as far as I can tell, yes, Alice Cooper was in it. Um, oh, okay. So he's, he's got that to his name. Um, but some other oddities with the film before we get into the actual substance of it are that um, the crew was entirely Italian and did not speak English. So there was actually a huge language gap. Um, the stars uh, that they cast in the area uh, were largely Mormon, lived in Utah, and were often quite uncomfortable with some of the uh, lines that they had to deliver. And um, because Fergasso and Jody were not entirely fluent in English, it, you get this kind of strangely formal dialect in all of the lines. And apparently a lot of the actors and actresses have criticized them and said, you know, they made suggestions for how to make it sound more con like conversational and realistic. And they were told just, you know, you have to read the script as it is. There's no, <laughs> no changes. <laughs> so uh, that is the reason a lot of the lines do feel kind of jarring and awkward. Um, you can't mess with perfection, okay? Like... You can't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You also can't piss on hospitality either. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not allow it. What <laughs> no, can you? Um, Michael Stevenson, who plays the uh, young protagonist Joshua Waits, actually went on to create Worst Best Movie in 2010, which is a documentary about the making of Troll 2. Highly recommend watching it. It's a gem. Uh, the film also has its own riff tracks if you're looking for a guided viewing experience. Um, and with that, that is all the preparation I can give our, our dear listeners and viewers. Um, where would you guys like to start? Because there is a lot. <laughs> I feel like we have, to, we, have to, we have to hit pause and walk it back a little bit. So uh, full disclosure, we watched the original Troll in preparation for this movie. Actually, we did a double feature in a uh, party chat i'm glad i had you two along <laughs> for the ride because woof. um so let's let's take a step back what is troll one Let, let's like do like together we could just quickly summarize that and then like 
yeah, we'll go from there because this is all uh, all about sequels. And I think this is a great pick because it's not technically a sequel, but it was implying itself to be. So uh, you want to take a stab at like off the cuff uh, summarizing Troll uh, 1, either of you? Yeah. So first off, it uh, has a troll in it, actually. So that's the first big difference. Yep. <laughs> um there is a uh, a witch and a troll that are both in this apartment building. Apparently, they used to be married or something. I don't know. <laughs> and <laughs> the troll decides it's going to conquer the world by conquering the apartment building first and uh, slowly turns everyone into the apartment into plant pods slash sexy naked ladies. Elves, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and does this by doing uh, body snatchers take over of the young protagonist, Harry Potter Jr.'s sister. <laughs> uh, I was so surprised. So I saw this VHS tape on the, uh, not to continue to date myself this entire episode, but on the shelf, like frequently as a kid. And I imagined something way more sinister than what this movie actually is. Like, uh, so like as this opened up I was like oh no is this gonna be like an it style like death of a child like gory and then it wasn't until halfway through I was like what's this thing rated this doesn't seem like it's that bad oh it's pg-13 right uh, this is way less sinister like it is in the vein of like a, a gremlins is the closest analogy I could come up with but it's like even less like kind of like envelope pushing than gremlins would have been but like it has those sort of practical effects like a little bit of silliness like tied in with like uh you know a horror like it's horror comedy i guess you would call it right you guys agree with that yes absolutely it has none of the charm of gremlin it tries <laughs> but it has none of the charm of gremlins in fact i think we were all in like unanimous agreement that uh, was his name malcolm um the, mm-hmm. the the little person that is uh befriended by um not like it, it, this was weird to me too because it <laughs> Like it wasn't really the daughter, but like at times I forgot that it wasn't her because there was almost a benevolent relationship and I didn't really understand what yeah. that was all about. Like, what was all that about? Like, well, then it's, yeah, it's like his character just disappears by the end of the film and you don't really know what happens to him. But the troll seems to genuinely like him and I couldn't figure out why he's awesome. He's the only great, like, or not a great, maybe a step to, he's the only good, capable actor in this whole thing and the only one that I, made me feel anything. But like, the, the troll seems to like for inexplicable reasons like him and like want to like save him you know and he's like reincarnated as like a little elf or something i don't know because that's what he asked him in the beginning are you elf but mm-hmm. i'm sitting on a piece of trivia because this is very interesting to me but uh phil fondacaro who who played malcolm actually played one other character can you guess troll <laughs> yes he yeah. also played torak yeah so yeah, they might the get credits. along because they are literally the same person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Uh, so, needless to say, if you couldn't tell from the fact that we're having trouble describing this movie, it was all over the place, like all over the place. Uh, like the lore was shaky at best. The motivations were not entirely clear. The fates of the characters were were just uh left as a cliffhanger and not in like a good way either like i think may you said oh, well see they're setting it up for a sequel right like didn't you comment that as a room? yeah i did i did uh yeah no a very open-ended yet dark uh kind of wrap up to the film 
I, I was also getting it vibes from the opening where the girl's like running down to the basement playing with her little ball and gets gets body snatched right off the bat um I was trying to do some more research into like why like a lot of the lines in this also felt very out of place not to the extent of troll too no but like um at, at, at one point Harry Potter Sr. <laughs> yells to his wife, like, did you take a lot of drugs before I met you, honey? Because his son is acting weird. Which is, I don't even get the joke. <laughs> no. <laughs> there was a lot of that. <laughs> like, what does that have to do with anything? I know you said that a couple times. We're like, what? Yep. Or when um, the witch is asking, like, what day of the week was the bomb dropped in Hiroshima? Yeah. <laughs> to the dad to harry potter senior and he's just like i don't know what was it and she's like we may never know and i'm yeah the same sort of thing like okay somebody was stoned like i I get the impression (laughs) there was a lot of cocaine being used on the set of this movie from the performances and everything Um, somebody was really fucking stoned and like that's like they started to write what they thought was going to be an awesome like soliloquy or something and like or monologue i guess like and uh like just they were like Nah, I don't know how to bring this to a close, so we're just gonna have them say this line. Yep. <laughs> and maybe somebody will think it's profound. I don't know. It's so weird. Um, so this is the uh, the wagon that Troll Two decided to hitch its star to. Um, of all the '80s movies they could have ripped off and aped for uh, to be a, like a sequel to, this is the one they picked. Um, so I encourage you to watch uh, this uh, as well. It's not as fun as troll too and that is so bad it's good um five but it is uh, some interesting little slice of history continue all right now we, we're we've caught up um <laughs> so where do you want to start with troll to you may god um i i think starting with chronologically like the grandpa and the whole storybook scene oh, i did goodness. i did ensure that the princess bride did come out before this about three years prior so yes. that is that is confirmed so it feels like a yeah, like a horror horror spin on that a little bit, but yeah. What do you guys think of of uh, Grandpa Seth? Uh, awesome. He, he's like <laughs> one of my favorite enigmatic characters in this entire movie. Um, like he he's like such a dick in that like scene where he's like trying to like talk him through the story, and then like he's never really like tender like in, in any of the interactions, but like he is the go get shit done like person in this whole thing uh but yeah i, I liked him he's he was fun um i didn't like him as much as the music that plays during the like all the chase scenes but in particular this opening with like the wailing guitars and like keyboard and all that stuff that was uh quite the touch i don't know what about y'all what about y'all grandpa what do you think <laughs> i I just love that there's a whole weird dialogue where he gets banished to hell and then clarifies that he's not actually in hell, but he is being sent back there. And this is the part of the film where you see he like is very proficient with a hatchet and Molotov cocktail. And a bologna sandwich. I just I need to, I need to know what Grandpa Seth did before he died. <laughs> and why he knows so much about goblins and about... yes, they never explain that. I was yeah. like, oh, he's going to have grown up in this place and escaped or like have some sort of familial ties. Like, nope. Nope. <laughs> Goblins are still real. That's all we know, kid. And this is how you kill them. 
I do love the special effects, like where you can clearly see they've tried to black out like his outfit, like in the mirror, and you can just see he's wearing like a turtleneck. Like he's supposed to be a disembodied head, but it's just like a turtle. <laughs> he looks like a bank robber that's like taking off his ski mask, like for a second to give some exposition <laughs> for the audience and for uh, for the child. But yeah, I appreciate that he only put ten minutes into like the the afterlife toll booth or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't call after that only a 10 minutes well he's all about the time constraints we only have 30 seconds before you <laughs> you better do something <laughs> that was the thing i noticed in troll one and i do kind of wonder where that like trope began but it's like giving an arbitrary but short time span to get something done where it's like how could you possibly know the exact number of minutes or days that will take <laughs> isn't this supposed to be some magical face stuff like <laughs> What, the way you create suspense, right, is like you have to have some sort of time constraint. Like, so you can't have a ticking bomb. I mean, I suppose they could have in this. I wouldn't have batted an eye if I fucking. That's why I was like, so help me God, if he pulls some C4 out of that backpack at the end, I will not be surprised, but Jesus. Uh, so I think like that's the way like that they're try trying to like evoke suspense. Um, and it results in the greatest solution to how do I stop my family from eating an entire meal? Um, <laughs> problem ever presented on screen. <laughs> you can't piss on hospitality. <laughs> That's right. I won't allow it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so like the original title for this was Goblins, correct? I think I'd saw that somewhere. It was. And uh, like I said, there was a lot of miscommunication between the cast, which was, you know, very randomly picked, just random people from Utah. There's a, a dentist is actually the guy who, who played the dad, uh, Michael Waits. And he like enjoys his brief moment in the spotlight, but he just went back to dentistry. He's never done any more acting. <laughs> Except for there's um, one notable say, role, which yeah, I, you, may, you may be, uh, he does have one notable role uh, after this. The documentary? <laughs> nope. Oh, no. What am the I missing? There's an official sequel to this movie where he reprises his role. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yes. Um, oh, God. I did see that he was a dentist after we watched the movie. I was like, I, I was so glad that I, I was unprepared uh, in the like purest sense for both of these. I, I knew nothing about either. So. <laughs> Same. Same. But um, yeah, there's a lot of miscommunication between the, the cast and crew and uh, writers and um, the cast. A lot of them just never saw the movie until it came to VHS and people would send it to them. And that's when they found out that the name had been changed to Troll 2 from Goblins. <laughs> just a total lack of communication in this film. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't show at all. Like, I mean, this this production seems like it was a well-oiled machine. Jesus. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, for as like off the walls it is, it's consistent in its tone. It's very, it's very much aware of, or at least the directors seem to be very much aware of the vision that he had in mind. Um, whether or not the rest of the crew really knew what they were getting into is arguable, but yeah. Um. I'd, I'd love to talk about some of the more notable characters. Uh, for instance, the boys. What do we think about the boys and uh, Elliot's internal struggle between them and his oh, girlfriend? Oh, man. <laughs> what do you choose? Your your buddies or your girl? It's it's hard. <laughs> it is hard. We talked yeah, about this like on mic. 
<laughs> like this it was so weird like yeah. the beef they were like very wholesome as far as like teenage portrayals like yeah. they're just drinking mountain dew and like trying to get something to eat you know like uh no drugs no alcohol use like they very much seem like normal teenagers and the dad's like that good for nothing like <laughs> likes to hang out with his friends too much like i <laughs> i did not understand the beef whatsoever about uh either elliot or his friends like to be honest yeah, the dad should have been grateful. He's like, yeah, good. He's hanging with his friends. He's not pestering you for the weekend. Yeah. It was very strange. Although I thought it was also, I think, and Chris pointed this out, like, you know, that just randomly has like this, you know, this motorhome, this Winnebago that they're <laughs> taking out to go, you know, tag along with uh, his girlfriend and their family when they do this house swap with this random couple out in Utah. And so it's like, okay, that's interesting. Not sure where they got that from or, you know, why their parents were okay with them just taking it for a stroll. But unless that didn't happen, which would also make sense too, to take your, I guess you're Winnebago for a joy ride, although that would be pretty noticeable depending on your parenting. But um, yeah, yeah, that was very random. It's like, it's so weird because like I know in high school, like my high school girlfriends, parents would have been furious if I had crashed their vacation. Like right. my friends being okay. along with them, like would not have had anything to do with it. It'd have been like, what are you doing here? Like we're on vacation. Yeah. It would, they wouldn't have been like, you either leave your friends behind or you come. And then like the next scene when he makes this fateful decision, he's just part of the family now, apparently like, there was like some throwaway line about how he's just part of the family now. And it's like, calm down. He's just, he's just coming out to, to dinner for, for a couple hours. I think. <laughs> I, again, I'm not sure if this is like reading into a film for too much meaning where it clearly doesn't seem to have much of any, but the, I, I was trying to look and see what other people have written about this. It does seem like it's uh it, it's implied that he's like a, a quote unquote homo with like that joke in the very start of the, the film because he hangs out with his guy friends so much. Uh, so it's kind of a, uh, you know, re rejects homosexuality during the idyllic, you know, American family, as well as rejects vegetarianism <laughs> during the idyllic meat eater American family. I did pick up on some of the homoeroticism of like how they were positioned like in bed, like when they were yeah, you know, yeah. they were yeah, yeah. sleeping next to each other. Yeah. Shirtless. Not that so, like, like that, that's, that that's itself, one take but... I saw online, but I don't know if we can even read into any meaning. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Uh, there, there's so much of this that's got like I, I question just about everything. The only thing that I'm sure is intentional is the corn scene, and we'll get to that in a, in a second. Like <laughs> and that doesn't happen by and that, that was corn with a C. <laughs> yes yeah not with a k <laughs> oh boy uh so let's talk about the the titular creature or lack thereof uh as you've already pointed out there is no troll in this film there are goblins uh what do we think of the, the goblins i want to talk about the goblins for a second well if we want to compare them to the first one like they definitely dropped in i mean obviously the budget wasn't very big for this film uh, but I feel like that was sort of the, I don't know, if you're going to try and market it, maybe try and have some sort of special effects, or I say that loosely, that are trying to be similar to what you're trying to copy, but it was, it was like night and day. It was so weird because going from like all the sort of the Jim Henson style, you know, puppetry that we saw in the first one to going to this, where it's obviously just very poor costuming that, you know, whatever was cheap 
there's only like one goblin that seemed to have like fully formed eyes that then apparently explode later when some other stuff goes down versus like everybody else that just looks like a, I don't know like a clone of each other and they all I don't know it was just very very campy and um yeah that was <laughs> that's my take on it it was pretty rough uh they were less like... gooey at least <laughs> yeah <True. laughs> they were but there was like there's definitely some a lot of green uh green mm-hmm. slimy stuff all over this movie yeah. uh, the one with the eyes was my favorite the constantly <laughs> surprised uh goblin like just shocked uh. at every turn of events yeah. I, the thing that was most bizarre to me is like i i guess they're supposed to be like disguising themselves as human is that what we're supposed to infer from like the fact that they look human i think this movie would have been scarier if they were just like people like it would have worked better like if they just made these like like crazy like utah natives that like to convert people to like vegetarians like they're almost like cannibals that like it's not technically cannibalism because they're turning them into vegetables first like the goblin aspect is what, what had me scratching my head i'm like this movie would have been probably would have saved on some special effects and would have been scarier if it was just like weird people engaging in witchcraft or something but it's uh, true there were like too many levels to it like you're trying you have too many different <laughs> random pieces that you're trying to then have like a like a, a resolution in the end slash also leave it hanging so yeah what's it's that classic expression you know you you, you can't call yourself troll too if you don't have goblins i guess like <laughs> is that how the saying goes <laughs> it's in film discourse actually we yeah we learned about that oh god <laughs> um oh god indeed they're gonna turn me into a plant and eat me. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i've seen that meme in it like so that was me like engaging a little bit more with like in nicole i'm like oh i get it now i understand that reference i did want to say that the actor for arnold in an interview with vice said uh, of his audition um i showed up for the audition in park city and it was just this room full of chain smoking italians the smoke in the room was so thick you almost couldn't see them that that's, right. that's all he had to say about his audition experience. <laughs> As if that uh, explains it and sums it up. I guess maybe it does. Like, who knows? I just uh, I see I see the cigarette smoke as a metaphor for the haze that is over the meaning of the film. <laughs> uh, cigarettes weren't the only thing being smoked on this no. film. No, no, definitely nope. not. That's the only connection between this and troll. Is the drug <laughs> use that, that was fueling the energy and also the creative genius that uh, was on full display. So. Can I ask you? All right, so like it's very obvious, like what the first movie is going for, like like not succeeding in, but going for. What do you think this movie is going? Because like I could not for the life of me. I know like it like it called itself Troll Two to like you know maybe bump up some some revenue, uh, box office revenue. Um, or whatever but like i i just i'm like i don't know what genre like this is supposed (laughs) to be right like did you get any sense of that when you were watching this at all like i thought it was like a rocky horror picture show in the out in you know utah like i that was my vibe i got that it was supposed to be intentionally off the wall um that in some ways, I guess the, you know, the wife of the director was talking about the creative vision that she had, which was essentially fuck vegetarianism. And also I'm homophobic. 
And, you know, that was, those are the two points that I have taken away from this film. Um, but I think that, I don't I think it embraces that camp. I think that's really why it's entertaining as much as it is, because there's a lot of films out there you can watch that are bad. And you know that they're bad and you really cannot get through them because they are just so bad. And um, I think the Troll 2 is actually different, you know, like in the right situation, the right setting, like with a, a group of friends like we did. Uh, alcohol was definitely a contributing factor to making it better and enhancing yep. the experience. <laughs> yep. um, so I will say that bring your six pack or your, you know, your dark liquor of choice uh, or, you know, any liquor. I shouldn't, you know, specify. But well, if you we- don't drink, have somebody punch you in the face really hard before you want if you don't imbibe like hey that's fine but like yeah. have somebody hit you really hard at the very least like knock the wind out of you maybe or, uh, uh, watch it after like staying awake for like a day or two yes there you yeah. yeah exactly yeah. because <laughs> you will hallucinate that you even saw this film yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true um so i think that that's the that's sort of what they were going for it was it because it was so much of <sighs> You know, at first, maybe you might have believed that they were trying to do something that was sort of in the vein of realm of trying to be serious. But then it was like the more that you watched and the more characters they threw in and the more just so surreal and like intentionally like the shock value of the weird sort of special effects, like when people turn into plants and are all this green goo or, you know, like the just the over-the-top delivery of the lines because of the fact that they were not actors or the fact that some characters were intent, like intentionally being so outlandish. Like um, Credence, yeah. who's like the weird witch lady who's leading the goblins. I can't remember if she's supposed to be a goblin too. I didn't really, I kind of lost it. Maybe? <laughs> Maybe, questionable. Also strange sort of sex symbol in the film. Um, but it was like, yeah, when she shows up and I'm like, this is, this is the Rocky horror aspect of it. Like this is, it's come into full picture now for me on that. And so I, that was what I took away from it um, to watch. That was sort of what I felt like they were aiming for when they did it. Do you think it was intentional? Cause I've seen that like he is uh, the director who his name's already got out of my brain. Um, make it probably there you go. Uh, has since implied or like explicitly stated really that like this, like the intent all along was to be funny, which is something that Tommy Wiseau has done with like the room. I wonder, but, <laughs> but you, you buy it though. You say like, you think like the intent was to be silly all along. It, I mean, the corn scene again, well, I do want to talk about that because it's a standout. Um, you know, I think is very uh, supportive of that argument. Like, I, again, how do you film something like that? Not knowing that you're going for a little bit of silly, but I still yeah, at times. Re- real quick to Will's point, this actually has been screened frequently alongside Rocky Horror. So that is definitely what what it kind of fits into. It's also been screened alongside Troll 1. So I will say that is a coin in the bucket for saying that this has a bigger influence. Because I don't think Troll 1 would have been screened as many times, personally. I wonder um, if people would even talk about Troll 1 if it wasn't for this movie. Right I know. Like, I know. But we'll, we'll decide that at the end of the episode, just throwing that out there. Uh, so yeah, corn. Before we jump into that, I do have one quick follow-up question then. If it was, in fact, screened with Rocky Horror, was there any participation involved in this film? <laughs> Because I know the Rocky Horror is very involved. You do certain things with the audience to mess around with it. So, like, is there like a troll to like bring your own corn cob? Like, where? 
I couldn't, I couldn't find anything on that. So I think we're just going to have to go on a field trip and do some research. We're going to have to find a screen. Oh, we're going God. to Utah, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, thank you for humoring me. That's it. It's not hard to imagine. Like, I mean, like throwing popcorn during the popcorn scene or yelling, oh my God, or like, <laughs> you know, Jello, any number of things. Ugh, gosh, the food. Anyway, it's good corn. Please continue, May. Corn. So yeah, um, I I see this scene as the film kind of like starting to get comfortable with and leaning into all the weirdness. I do feel like what regardless of the intention at the start of the film, whether it was to be serious or funny, the actors and actresses are just so fresh that everything is still pretty awkward no matter what. But as they get more and more comfortable, they really lean into it and like kind of make it their own. And there is no better example than this corn scene. So um, at the start of the scene, and this is actually another similar similarity with Troll 1, the witch character gets pretty. <laughs> in Troll 1, they actually switched actresses from the mom to uh, an actress who is her daughter, which was funny. This one, she just redid her makeup in here. So lower budget. But uh, yeah, so our, our witch, Druid witch, uh, Credence Leonore Gielgud, Gielgud uh, gets a little makeover and heads out to the RV where the last of Elliot's boy crew is chilling, watching TV, and decides to seduce him with a uh, cob of corn and a rather re revealing black dress. Um, and it, it kind of works. And uh, some popcorn is produced as a result. As, I've never, never seen a more more bizarre uh, symbol for uh, orgasm than popcorn flying on top of both of the people as they're making out over a cop of corn. No uh, more popcorn. No more. <laughs> he's just covered in pop. I mean, so I agree. I think this is the first time where like they really wink at the audience. Like, if you were trying to hang with this as like any kind of like a serious film up to this point this would pretty much tell you like all you need to know about like what your mindset should be go going forward um it, so uh, refresh my memory her motives here are like to originally what to digest him too or like turn him into a plant too and then she has to leave because the stonehenge rock or whatever is being touched by uh the child is that is that what happens? I, I, That's a great I, question, Chris. I don't know. I don't remember. See, it's just, like <laughs> I remember, but it made no sense. Yeah. <laughs> Not Probably that I want to. Oh, go sorry, guys. No, no, no. You're good. Go, go for it. I was just wondering if the popcorn was supposed to be like his version of like transforming because everybody sort of it was a little bit different each time, and he was the one that said I like popcorn. So she's just like I can work with that. You know, it's still a vegetable, you know, it's still in a different form. So maybe that's, you know, and then maybe I, he disappears underneath all of that. And that's, but I don't know, again, and I think to May's point, I think, yeah, she got interrupted because everything else going back with the weird stone was, was happening and she sensed it and her spidey, sen her spidey senses were tingling and she's like, I gotta go. And so, yeah. Stonehenge rock. <laughs> Why is right. that Which is in Utah now, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> And didn't uh, Creedence say she was from like Stonehenge at one point too? So that's and her family was from Stonehenge apparently because that's where people just like that was a village, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and she's apparently a druid, but maybe also a goblin. Question mark. <laughs> but definitely not a troll. 
Definitely not a troll. To be clear, yeah. <laughs> or a troll-like creature, depending on how the subtitles would like to describe you. That was in the that was in like the credits. That that's what had me laughing, like the opening credits. It just said troll. Oh, <laughs> nice. And that was in the first troll movie, right? Was where they described it. So, I yeah. think it was the second one. And I think it's oh. because they weren't trolls. I think that's how they gotcha. <laughs> so they could get slapped with a yeah. uh, misleading advertisement <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> like yeah. Um, so not that I want to like try to be too academic about a movie that probably doesn't deserve that kind of attention what do you think they're trying to say about vegetarians in this since this is a movie about <laughs> vegetarian obviously we know she was uh, annoyed by the rise of vegetarianism with her friends the writer uh co-writer of the film um the the wife of the director but like what uh, what's the message we're supposed to glean here I, it's it's coming from someone who's clearly never actually seen a vegetable because <laughs> she thinks they look like green goo. Apparently. <laughs> um, so there's that caveat. It's also very confusing because I I'm vegetarian. I, I will speak for the community here. Uh, <laughs> most most of the vegetarians I know, and myself included, are like lacto ovo vegetarians, which means we'll have dairy and uh, egg. And in the film, like eggs were a huge no. Like we have none of that in the general store. That is sinful. Uh, but they keep trying to get people eggs. And I said, I asked this as you're watching and never got answered. Where are the cows? What are they milking? Are they milking the plants? Is this like almond milk? Like, <laughs> oh, I don't think so. That milk was disgusting. Like, oh, whatever they use, like for, maybe it was just curdled milk. Who knows? Like, maybe they just left it out on the shelf just to see it in the film. But like, thank you. Yeah, I can't tell you what the milk means, but um, I mean it. It, it came it from just... the Goblins. That's where it came from. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! And that's where we'll leave it. Yeah, but I don't know. It's just it's such a funny criticism of vegetarianism to me because, um, like, first of all, I've I, I was reading a interview with Judy the woman who wrote that part of it and she was saying it was a, a a comic horror about vegan fanaticism and veganism is entirely different so I also just think this person didn't know anything about these diets but was mad so. at them I don't think so I think you're <laughs> accurate there yes um and then like had to in a weird way use like a common argument against meat eating to make her argument against plant eating because a big a lot of people are vegetarian for like ethical reasons because they don't want to like kill and eat other things but in this movie she makes she makes her point by making it so that they kill and eat people but just turn them into vegetables so they're palatable <laughs> yeah that's the thing that i really didn't understand i'm like so you're implying that vegetarians are murderers but this is not how vegetarians like interact with their food ever like unless they're goblins apparently um and my my wife watching the film like i don't know three quarters of the way in was like if they're vegetarian why there's plants everywhere like why aren't they just eating vegetables and i was just like Shh, it's fine just- <laughs> now i've got to make a milkshake and i've got to put some of this icing on this cake over here that's green because it's vegetables nobody Maybe. questioned the overwhelming amount of green slop like all over everything like that was like no one acts like a, a human being in this movie at all like probably more so than troll like yeah 
Uh, so favorite like scene or like death? Does any do you guys have like a favorite scene or like death or uh, I don't know, just favorite sequence in general? I got to go with the corn. I think that was the corn cob. The it was just it was so hilarious and just I don't know, so way out of left field in some ways that I thought that was really what kind of hit home is the tone for the film like this is <laughs> this is it this is this is what you get so I um I think it's the funniest one though just to make, like to sit back and like look at it like without the rest of the film just to look at it and enjoy it for what it was just so ridiculous and you know trying to be sexy but not and also trying to be symbolic and you could take whatever you want from it um, and being over the top, but uh, yeah, that between that, I guess that, and also maybe when the dude gets turned into a tree, but. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely the best special effects of the whole film. <laughs> Surprisingly enough. Yeah, I would agree. I'm like, all right, for like a very low budget, like early nineties, like this isn't half bad. Like you didn't look terrible. Like yeah. great Halloween um... costume. So to do that's that. what you can do for next Halloween, man. I'm the guy from <laughs> Troll too. <laughs> but you got to put like the mask on too, and you got to yeah. Yeah, and then you got to get a guy to go with you that has like the jogger outfit on and a, and a jug of milk. <laughs> yeah, and he can pull you, pull you in your little because you, know, <laughs> you can't move. That's right. You got to be completely still. Oh God. Um, I I liked a lot of scenes surprisingly, but um. My favorite, because it's such a contrast to the really slow, almost action scenes, like when the family is backing away from the trolls after everyone realizing that they are are goblins. Um, Like that's such a long scene and they're just like slowly backing away and the goblins just stand there doing nothing. There's a lot of delayed action or inaction like that. That's very annoying. But the scene where Joshua is trying to get his grandpa in the mirror and the, the witch just comes like crashing out of it and then grandpa shows up out of nowhere, takes a hatchet to her and like that's so fast paced and great. Like I finally had to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> Climax for me by, by far. Yeah, right. you, so you, you kind of took mine. It's the slowly backing away because I think it's so indicative of like somebody that doesn't know how to like pace a fucking film like it is so <laughs> weird like they never have like so like when you're wa- like when i was watching that i'm like oh so this is gonna be like who's gonna like move first right like what like this is gonna build up to say and it's like no it's like the the goblins have no intention of ever like harming them apparently they're just gonna wait them out but they're they back i mean like it is like the entire length up to the house like up the damn driveway like without the camera cutting it's so weird like there's no cuts there like it's not trimmed uh, and it serves no purpose like other than to go like what the fuck is happening right now um so that was mine definitely cool uh anybody want to add anything for troll 2 before we wind it down i have yeah. my trivia board so Please. i i was dying to know what you guys would think of the budget for this film true or false Troll 2 had a budget of $5,000. That seems expensive for this. <laughs> so this is 1991 or 1990. 19, I think 1989 is when it was actually filmed. Filmed, okay. I'm going to say false, but I don't think it's much more than that. I, I'm going to say it's like, that's got to be close. Mm. Although, I don't know, like, 
let me think uh el mariachi was made for seven thousand dollars like around the same right. time like the robert rodriguez film i'm gonna say true i'm changing i've talked myself into it i'm gonna say true i'll go with false and i'm actually gonna i i do think it might have been higher but uh i don't remember how much it was if i read that so but yeah i'll go with false um it is false and i I think maybe there's like some money laundering here or something because I have no idea what they could have spent this on. It was a hundred thousand dollars was their budget. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. Lots of cocaine. Ca- <laughs> like, the Winnebago. They probably bought a Winnebago. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, was their right. expense. Rental. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't know what they could have spent that on. Cleaning the Winnebago. Uh, yeah, non-professional board. actors and actresses. Like clearly, like no sets were built. Like that was just like space that they yeah. used. The prosthetics weren't great. Uh, the tr- the goblins are just masks, like Halloween store masks, like with like brown pajamas. Yeah, that's a good. They question. said that like all the actors actually used their own clothes, right? I feel like I read that somewhere. Yeah, I think so. Their- so it's like, yeah. So there was no wardrobe really, except for a couple of folks there, maybe. Director salary, $40,000. Writer salary, $40,000. And then just 20K for catering. (laughs) Maybe it was all the green food to make it green. (laughs) Yeah, food coloring is a costly uh, special effect. Although they had to let go bad. Wow. Okay. Well, um, yep. That should have gone with my, uh, although my, my gut was still wrong. Cause I was like, yeah, it's probably around like 10 or something, but now, wow. Incredible. Blows my mind. <laughs> I'm not accusing them of anything, uh, unsavory or criminal, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little suspicious. <laughs> I, I agree. That is, that is uh, suspicious indeed. The final product does not speak for, uh, <laughs> speak to that budget, I should say. So. Hey, audience, you might be noticing that we are all wearing different clothes. Well, we needed an entire week to reflect on the very, very difficult decision to declare Troll 2 as either a unicorn or a dead horse. So now that we've had that extra week to reflect and definitely did not forget to declare it when we recorded the episode originally, I want to go one at a time. Will Troll 2, unicorn or dead horse? You know, going into it, my first thought was this is going to be a sure bet for a, a dead horse, but I don't know. I mean, I came out of it laughing with you guys. Uh, it was by far an awesome experience to do with a group. Um, I know that drinking was involved, but, you know, besides that fact, it's just fun with friends. And I think that there's, you know, there's certain movies that are just really dumb and you, you hate them because they're dumb but this one was you know pretty ridiculous but intentionally ridiculous in such a way that i don't know i mean the fact that (laughs) it's just so much of an interesting story beyond the film itself and how campy and weird it is uh just learning about why it is troll 2 and why it was you know marketed as trying to be a sequel to something that has no real connection to that i don't know i of all of either movie i would talk more about troll 2 than i would about the original trolls so i actually think that in the end eh, it actually helped the franchise in a really bizarre way. So that's my take. You're, you're declaring it a unicorn then? I am declaring it a unicorn. All right. May, uh, unicorn or dead horse? So when I think about unicorns, 
I think <laughs> <laughs> I, I think about something that is special and magical, but also unexpected. I do think that is the key. It has to be unexpected. It can't be a planned unicorn. And with that in mind, uh, this 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 film, this this gem of cinema, was not planned as such, um, and it is unintentionally, at least as I understand it. Um, just become this iconically terrible and glorious film. And I think the fact that it is screened often with Troll 1 uh, means that it's probably made Troll 1 more popular and made more people watch Troll 1 just as a result of them being a double feature. And yeah, I would say this is a hairy, gooey little unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> And we have our first unanimous decision because <laughs> also for primarily the reasons that may listed that we wouldn't probably talk about or care about troll one without troll two. I think that you could make a very good argument that this did actually um, enlarge like the franchise or bring it into clear focus and added more to the franchise and it took away. So I agree. It is a slimy little unicorn boy troll thing. Uh, so that's our first unicorn uh, for unicorn or dead horse. Well done, troll two! Yay! Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Low budget all the way. Honestly. All right. Well, who would like to have a little fun before we draw our next card for uh, take three? So we're gonna play a little game called Keyword Countdown. Full disclosure, I did not create this game. This game was created by the lovely Gav Murphy from RKG Video, my favorite YouTube uh, channel and my favorite internet community, period. There's such lovely people all over that community. Uh, Gav has graciously allowed us to uh, occasionally play Keyword Countdown and has given his blessing. Uh, but you should check out RKG Video because they make some great content. The way this game works is IMDb categorizes their films by a bunch of crazy keywords. Sorry, Gav, I'm stealing your spiel. Uh, what I'm going to do is list off uh, keywords one at a time, and you are going to try to guess the film. I'm going to say for like uh, the sake of um, having an expedited game here, like uh, one or two guesses a piece for each clue is, is good. You can just shout them out. Uh, if you both say the, the correct film title, whoever says it first will be the, uh, the winner. You will get an amount of points equal to the, uh, the amount of remaining clues. So for example, if you, on the fourth clue, you uh, give the correct answer, you would get uh, six points for, uh, for that answer. Make sense? Sounds good. All righty. So film number one, your first uh, clue, four word title. Four word title, not forward like the direction, but four <laughs> word title. Yeah, they're going to start off very vague and then they're going to get specific. And uh, the last one's always oh, that's a the keyword. Yep, four word title. Oh, is your I first. thought you were just telling us like, like... <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's the first keyword. The keywords are are insane. Like I love looking to see like all the 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 nutty like keywords that uh, uh, for plots that IMDb has. So, no it's guesses. Life. Not a bad guess, but nope, that's not it. So they're, they're, it'll be obvious by the tenth clue, just so you know. All right, next clue: love at first sight. 
love at first sight. I can see you guys counting mentally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Going to roll to clue number three, payphone. And you can guess as many times as you want, by the way. Like if you get it wrong, you're not out of contention, just so you know. But clue number three, payphone. Payphone. I know, vague. We're going to start getting a little more obvious. <laughs> clue number four, father-son relationship. Father-son relationship. Silver Linings Playbook, is that three or four words? I'm not sure, but it's not a good guess, though. Yeah, yeah it's the title that gets me hung up every time. It's like, I can think <laughs> of other stuff, but this doesn't count. <laughs> Clue number five, fish out of water, fish out of water. <laughs> the sigh says it all. All right, moving on. Clue number six, falling from a tree, falling from a tree. Oh, back to the future. Yeah. Oh my God. And it takes zero. How could I not have thought of this sooner? Yeah, there you go. Awesome. Yeah, well, they're pretty vague up to that point. So that's I should have gotten uh, it on the pay phone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not All thinking right. dimensionally. Oh man. Okay. So Ready? that is actually I think you you get points for uh, the clue that you guessed it on as well. So that's one, two, three, four. That's five points for Will. Uh, your remaining clues, just if you want to hear what they are. Purple underwear, breakfast <laughs> machine. Lightning, teenager from the future. Nice. Calvin Klein. Uh, that last one. What a... Yeah, yeah. They're all, it's always a gimme on the final one. All right. Uh, new film. And we're starting over on the clues. So again, going to go obscure to obvious. Clue number one, based on a play. Based on a play. So we can just guess for any of these? Yep. Ten things I hate about you. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen. Nope. All right. Clue number two: gambling. Ooh. Gambling. There isn't like an oceans play, is there? <laughs> I hope there is now that you said that. But it's not, it is not uh it's not oceans though. No. Nope. Oh man. All right. Clue number three. Title spoken by character. Title spoken by character. I know. These are like the Hail Mary guesses the first few. I can say Casablanca was never a player, right? Is that your guess, Casablanca? I was I was just asking, was Casablanca? Well, I'm, I'm sure I'll guess it since I've got two, but I was just wondering aloud if it was ever a play. It's it, it was, and it is Casablanca. Really, hey! really oh nice. Job. That is a whopping. I thought you said this was a newer film. No, based on a play, oh. gambling are the only clues and title spoken by character. 
You know, it's really uh, funny because I recently just watched that movie with my wife because she had never seen it until we just watched it like the other week. So that's really funny that that's that that's it. I love that film, man. It, okay, it was indeed awesome. a play. Um, the remaining categories, really nice job. That's eight points. Uh, crazy. Uh, Police Chief, Love Triangle, Free French, Famous Line, World War Two, Nightclub Owner, and French Morocco is your yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's one of my all-time favorites. Oh, man. So good. It's a sweet one. Okay. Still anybody's game. And here's your next film. Clue number one. Climbing a trellis. Climbing a trellis. (laughs) Knives out. Boom! Oh, my God. Ah! (laughs) The first one. Holy shit. That is 10 Wow, that was climbing a ladder. Wow, <laughs> that was man come going for the jugular swing. on that. Jeez. Come out, swing. I gotta, I gotta make up. I gotta catch up. Well, oh my goodness, <laughs> that's ten points for May. Uh, the remaining clues would have been college tuition, reference to masturbation, birthday cake, car chase, dysfunctional family, nurse, ensemble cast, who done it, knife collection. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. Wow, nice job, awesome. man. Yeah, I that love awesome. that film. So <laughs> nicely done. I got lucky. Excellent. Nicely done indeed. All right. New film. Clue number one. Character name and title. Character name and title. George of the Jungle. <laughs> it's not. Chucky. <laughs> it is not. Uh, all right. Clue number two is neo screwball comedy. Neo screwball comedy. A Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, isn't it? <laughs> it is not. That's a good guess, though. Is that technically neo, or is that older? I guess mm, I don't I, really know rhythm. Yeah, I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but. I would say like that's it's on the cusp, right? Because it's like late 80s or early 90s. Late 80s. Can I throw one more out there? Yeah, go for it. Zoolander. Nope. (laughs) It is not. Here's clue number three. (laughs) Love at first sight. Love at first sight. Anchorman. It's not. I thought about (laughs) doing that, but no. Nope is a bad choice indeed. All right. Clue number four, dance party ending. Dance party ending. Nope. All right. Clue number five, performing CPR on an animal. Performing CPR on an animal. I feel like I should know something by this Me point. <laughs> okay. Clue number six, fake accent. Free guy? Nope. <laughs> Austin <laughs> Powers? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Clue number seven. Uh, this one's gonna be. I I I'd be curious to talk after this, but yeah, uh, anonymous letter. Anonymous letter. 
wonder if you guys have seen this. Right. Clue number eight, electronic eavesdropping. Electronic eavesdropping. Oh, all right. Clue number nine, and then I'm going to recap before I do the 10th one. Piggyback yeah. ride. Piggyback ride. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get this one, buddy. <laughs> Character name and title, Neo Screwball Comedy, Love at First Sight, Dance Party Ending, Performing CPR on an Animal, Fake Accent, Anonymous Letter, Electronic Eavesdropping, Piggyback Ride. And your final clue, uh, I'm sorry, this is the most obvious one for this film, uh, Ejaculation. Something about Mary. Yep, that is indeed uh, the film. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I've seen like there's something about that movie. Yeah, it's so weird. We over over quarantine uh, rewatched it. Um, It's got some bits that haven't aged um, well, uh, but for the most part, it definitely holds up. It's really, really, really funny. Uh, But that's kind of like the you know, like a prototype to stuff that like, I don't know, like your super bads and things like that were. Yeah. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, it's a good laugh. <laughs> okay. So right now I have the point standings as follows. So Will has 14. May, you have 10. So this is anybody's game. Okay. Final film. First clue. Cabin in the Woods. I know it's not Cabin in the Woods. I was going to say, could it be? Could it be? <laughs> cabin in the Woods. Lake Placid. No, good a guess as any. <laughs> okay, clue number two, close up of an eye. Close up of an eye. I don't think I'm going to get this one. Clue number three. Floorboard. Floorboard. Evil Dead? That's a great guess, but it is not that. That's a great guess, but it's definitely not that one, unfortunately. <laughs> so far, everything. Another Cabin in the Woods movie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Clue number four. Combing hair. Combing hair. Mm-hmm. All right, now we're going to start to hone in a little bit. Clue number five, investigating footage. Investigating footage. Blair Witch Project? No, that's a great <laughs> guess as well, uh, but it's not it. That is a really excellent guess. Okay. Clue number six, horse death, horse death. Right. Clue number seven, death of a child, death of a child.
No Hail Marys. I have seen almost no Cabin in the Woods type yeah. films, which is why I'm not, I'm just not going to get this one. It's, it's a little yeah, bit of a curveball. Maybe. Nope. No. All right. Clue number eight Telephone Terror. Telephone Terror. Right. Clue number nine remake of an Asian film. Remake of an Asian film. The Grudge? Nope, not The Grudge. The Ring? It is The Ring. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> I at least, I had the film pictured in my head at least before the last clue and I just couldn't remember the name. Have you oh, seen it before, May? Uh, I've seen like clips of it in video essays, so I know about it. I know but... you don't like it, love like anything where it's like body horror, like realistic. So not th this super my thing. Yeah. But this this is like more like supernatural, and uh, it scared the shit out of me like in high school. <laughs> yeah. Like this was we talked about audience participation. Um, this uh, until Paranormal Activity, the original, like this is the most I've seen an audience like lose their minds like in a theater because like I was too young for stuff like The Exorcist or Alien right. and some of the other ones where people famously like freaked out in the theater. But um, but this one was a ton of fun to sit in an audience with because there was a lot of like twists and turns and shocky stuff. So um, but PG thirteen, not nothing overly gross. Um, I, I highly recommend this too if uh, if you want a good like proper like ghost story kind of thing. I'll add it to my October list. The last clue was cursed videotape, by the way. Ah, um, uh, yeah. All right. Well, well done. Well, that's that's just the first of many times. I'm sure we'll play that throughout the course of the show. Again, thanks, Gav Murphy, for letting us use uh, your your game. It's a fun one. Uh, hopefully, May and Will will uh, will. Uh, turn the tables on me and torture me with uh, a list of uh, movies and, and do a keyword countdown. It's so fun to design. Um, and I've like, I've played this like in the car with people just like you pull up like the IMDb plot, <laughs> IMDb plot keywords for a movie and just like rattle them out to see how quickly people can get them. So awesome. Well played, Will. Likewise. And thanks Both for giving you. me a run for my money, man. That was awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, Climbing was a cool. trellis. Boom. That was yeah, it's like, oh, you better watch it. You better watch it. I'm coming. So yeah, great. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Well, we have just one last order of business, and that is to figure out what our uh, next film is going to be. So let me pull up my little cheat sheet here. So I have the, uh, the films ready to go. And let's draw our card here. Give them troll a shuffle. <laughs> yeah. I promise <laughs> there's no more troll films in the deck. Okay, and our next card is a deja vu. Deja vu. And the film we will be discussing, I guess I should probably read oops, the uh, the definition of deja vu. So uh, imitation is the best kind of flattery. Choose a film that pays homage to another film or genre and whether or not that homage is successful. So uh, this is going to be apropos of uh, our keyword countdown. I promise I did not plan this at all. Uh, this is May selection yet again. May, like the gods. Yeah. 
and it's gonna be knives out knives out is the <laughs> film that we're gonna no shit i swear to god not planned i it's on camera i shuffled the cards you can hear them moving around and shuffling. you just like me doing all the research chris come on i'm so sorry <laughs> we can always re like if it's a fourth one in a row we can always no, it back in this, this is an easy one because i've seen this recently um and i'm obsessed with it so i i minimal research required for this one this is great yeah and the, I could do it right of, now if you wanted to. But. No, 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 it's okay. <laughs> one of the most fun films, though, I think, to come out in the last couple of years. And uh, so we'll be talking about the genre is pretty obvious for this. I think Who Done It, and uh, yep. can't can't wait to sit down and chat on next week's episode. And uh, audience members, there you have it. If you want to watch along, um, go ahead and give it a give it a rent or give it a watch. Uh, and uh, we'll be back next week to talk about Knives Out. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Joshua, be quiet.